you have stumbled onto another episode of Get Your Fill, Financial Independence and Long Life, where we search for ways to achieve those two goals. Today, I'm very happy to be interviewing Denny, who is a gentleman who's in the middle, literally halfway through his Burr strategy. So Denny, why don't you explain exactly what the Burr strategy is supposed to be and then how, and then your whole, you know, situation. So Denny, tell us all, like how you got started, how you got interested and anything else you think we need to hear. Sure. Thanks, Christine. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah. So definitely new to this first time going through the bird process, like Christine was saying, right in the middle of it. Um, how I learned about it. Oh man. I, I think it was probably last year. Um, is the first time I stumbled on it. Um, it was all because I was listening to podcasts. Uh, so bigger pot or bigger pocket podcast um, is one of those that talks a lot about this. Um, and I think it's one of the gentlemen that's on it that really came up with it. Um, Brandon Turner. So I started listening to that and it kind of, you know, intrigued me a little bit because I was always already interested in kind of investing in real estate. And, you know, it was, it was kind of eye opening. like, okay, so now that makes so much more sense than when they walk through the bird process, right? It's, you're buying it first, then you're fixing it up or the rehab, the first R, and then you rent it out, and then you refinance it, and then you repeat. Um, so, it, like, just listening to podcasts kind of got me interested, and I did some more research online. I uh, started listening to or watching YouTube videos, too. Um, so, usually, uh, what I would do is, when I'm driving home from work, when I used to go to the office, um, you know, there's, it's probably about 40, 45 minute drive home. Uh, so during a commute, I would just listen to these podcasts, going there and going back. And that just kind of really helped build a foundation for me to understand what the birth strategy is all about. So one thing I think that people might not necessarily realize is that for, for a true burr, you're buying the first property with cash, right? That's you're not, correct. You're not starting off with a mortgage. So how yeah. did you go about that? Did you just save up a whole bunch of money? Yeah, I should talk about that. So it was kind of weird. I was kind of doing it out of order, technically. So the money that I used for this quote-unquote burr was actually a cash out refi from another investment property that, that I used to live in, and then I turned into rental, basically. Um, and it was just over time, um, I saved up, and it was actually kind of my first house in Boston. And I think at the time, you know, I, I didn't, wasn't investing too heavily into the market, so almost all my savings was actually going out to pay down mortgage. So I was able, able to pay down the principal quite a bit. Um, and then because the property also appreciated, right, given how much Boston property has appreciated just in the last few years, combination that really helped me, um, you know, jumpstart, you know, uh, the, the process so that when I was able to do this full birth strategy, I was able to do a cash out from that property. And then with that money, I was able to go and buy a new property um, earlier this year. Um, and of course, the timing couldn't be worse. Uh, well, I, I guess you could argue it could probably was the best, uh, given that literally we closed right before this whole pandemic thing happened. And <laughs> so that actually has been keeping me pretty busy on the weekends um, for the last couple of months. So talk about that aspect. Now, had you done a lot of re renovating before? So no, I uh, haven't done any renovation at all. <laughs> so. Um, the, the first rental that I was talking about, um, that I used to live in and that converted into a rental, uh, luckily it, it was, you know, already like finished. There was no work that was needed, um, for me to even get it ready for rental, not even a, a coat of paint. So honestly, having even painted a house or room up to that point, um, the only thing that I've painted in that practice was, um, my garage in uh, Minnesota when I used to live there. 
And basically, it, <laughs> that, that was my experience with uh, painting and, and working on houses. Um, but so this time around, I mean, I think thanks to Christine, you know, you, you helped a lot during kind of the buying process to kind of really, I know, I know we went through a lot of properties and you actually told me to not to buy some of these. So you're like, this is going to be way too much work for the first one. And I think that really helped. Looking back, I was like, oh my goodness. Because this one that we ended up with, right, it, it didn't seem that much, but it has definitely turned into a lot of work. Because um, I think it's just, once you start, you know, doing things, you start to notice other things that you didn't notice before. And so that just kind of spirals out of control sometimes. Um, but yeah, so to this point, I had, before I bought this property, before, you know, uh, you know, this um, winter, I haven't worked on any houses, haven't renovated anything. So completely new going into this. Um got brought the property back in february and then you know at first it was actually just kind of scary walking through i was like oh my gosh like i started to notice it it kind of hit me after we closed like wow there's so much more stuff that i didn't notice during the walkthrough like as i walked through again like wow there's there's the ceiling here that needs to be fixed there's there because that wasn't originally the plan because i thought oh the ceiling's not too bad maybe we just do a paint real quick but i noticed that there was actually holes in the ceiling in the closet so that that ended up like oh so that was a headache for me um but i was actually pretty lucky because um my dad is retired and basically he was willing to come over and help me because he knew that this is the first place that i bought um and he's um he's you know pretty handy he's done a lot of stuff around the houses um but still this was kind of the first time and i initially thought oh i don't i don't know if i want to do this you know i want to drag my dad into this but then as we started talking it, i guess it turned into more like oh this would be fun this would be kind of like our little project um, you know, we can bond, we can work on this together. Um, and, and that's kind of what it ended up turning into, uh, you know, if you kind of ignore what, what was happening with this whole coronavirus thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it actually kept us busy. So he came and visit right before, you know, all this stuff hit the fan. And when he got here, that's when we started noticing, oh my goodness. I was like, you can't go back now until we're done. Basically. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we started out, I think, when we walked through the property, I think we were, you know, realizing, you know, the main things that need to be done, right? You need a fresh coat of paint, um, need new floors. Um, we're probably going to, you know, redo some of the bathroom stuff, like, you know, replacing the toilet. Um, and we wanted to update the kitchen a little bit. Um, so that was kind of our mindset when we went into it, thinking, okay, that's not too bad, right? There's only four or five things. <laughs> so. Well, but so let's just clarify, though, it, that it's a condo, so you don't have any yep. exterior stuff really to do, right? Correct. Yep. So right now, I think, I know a lot of people have different feelings about condos for investments. Um, for me, it's making sense right now because, you know, just because I'm starting out, it's one less thing to worry about. Like you said, you know, it, there's there's not a need to worry about the exterior. Um, I've actually had some pretty bad experience when I was younger, where my parents didn't want to hire anybody to repaint the exterior of the house. And we had to do it all ourselves. So I guess... Uh, I didn't do the painting, but I had to help with scraping the old paint off the house. Um, so that was not fun when I was younger. Um, so yeah, um, so very good point. So being a condo, I figured, you know, it's, it's not too bad. The only thing I had to worry about was inside the house. So when we got into it, um, I think even the order of it mattered, right? It took a while to even um, realize, okay, what's the order when you do things? Because I mean, these are the details, right? You don't, you don't really hear when you go online to watch these YouTubes or listen to podcasts about the bird process, because it sounds so easy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, certainly you can hire people to do it. Uh, but then, right, 
There right goes now, all your profit, though. Yeah, there goes your profit. And right. you, one, you can't even find anybody right now. I feel it, it's, right. you know, well, before all this, you know, there was so much new construction going on. I figured you probably had a hard time getting a contractor. Yeah. Um, and I actually did try. I had a, um, a contract I used to work with because um, we had a water leak issue. And he actually helped me out and fix up my old uh, condo. But called him, no response. He was so busy that he just never even got back to me. Yeah. <laughs> so that actually helped because it was like, okay. There's nobody else to help. You're, this is I, you have to do the work now. So, um, you know, once you got there, so understanding the order of operation was really important, and it was you know worth the time to you know kind of plan it out. So I think we realized that yep, we need to do the painting first, and then we will do the floors last, and then kind of fit all the other stuff in between, like after the floor is done or before the floor is done, we need to you know put in new toilets. So kind of fitting that in. Um, now it you know seems pretty simple, but at the time it was like where do I start? It was just so much things that you could work on. Yeah. And it was important to kind of, kind of lay that out a little bit. Yeah. Start um, at the then, top, right? Yep. Start at the top. And that was, Paint the that ceilings was, uh, first. <laughs> yep. That was a big point. Um, and then the other thing was buying supplies, right? That, that took way longer than I expected. I think it took <laughs> us like over a week just to buy supplies. I couldn't believe this. I thought, Hey, I'm going to have a list. This will be easy. Oh, you get to the store and you realize you forgot this and forgot that, or like you made a list ahead of time, but then there was things that you never even put on the list um, that should have been on there. Um, and then, of course, we went to Home Depot and then I was trying to take advantage of their promotion. They had like, I think, $100 off or something, you spent 1000 So trying to also make it all work in one transaction was tough <laughs> to get that, to hit that uh, threshold to get the discount. So getting the supply was kind of a pain and then we had to go to a different store to get the floors. Um, by the time we got everything, you know, two weeks had kind of passed away. So we were already like almost two, three weeks after the closing. So I'm like, okay, I got to get going. <laughs> uh, and then even the painting took a while um, because there was actually a lot of prep work uh, before the painting as I was learning. Um, there was a lot of work to kind of prep the rooms, prep the walls, um, sand everything down. And because what happened with this place is uh, the previous owner decided to paint one color across everything. That's including the trim, the wall, the doors. It was all one color. And a dark <laughs> so, color. Yes, kind of a dark, a dark color. color too. Yeah. yeah. So that was a pain trying to kind of turn that back to what, you know, a white color um, to make it a little, you know, less dated, basically trying to bring it back to the, <laughs> to the the new century um so yeah that was that was fun getting doing a lot of that property ahead of time before we could even paint um and because like you said it was a dark color it actually required us to do multiple layers um so we even bought the more expensive paint i think from home depot that supposedly was saying that any color it will you know guarantee to cover in one coat but it, it did not cover in one coat yeah, <laughs> yeah. So then, okay, now bring us up to the, to the, uh, so the, so now the renovation's done, right? Yeah, it's, it's like 95% of the way done. Is <laughs> we definitely got through all of the five things that we wanted to do, doing the floors and all that stuff. Um, but now, you know, everything looks so nice, but the bathroom floor is pretty old. And I'm looking at it, there's some scratch in my head because it's got these tiles in there. And right now I'm like, oh, do I want to, start this whole new project this wasn't in the scope originally this wasn't budgeted for yeah. um so i because it looked okay before right because it, it kind of blended in with everything <laughs> but now that the walls you know nicely because it used to be a brown color the bathroom <laughs> we painted it so it's a nice light blue color now 
And now you look at the floor and it's kind of yellowish. And it's like, oh, dude. doesn't go. Yeah, it doesn't really go. So now I'm, I'm kind of on the fence thinking about that. Um, and then, yeah, there's still a lot of just kind of cleanup work, just small things here and there, um, you know, putting back all the light switches and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're getting close, um, but <laughs> I, I don't think you'll ever be finished. I'm, I think that's maybe the one thing I, I learned uh, <laughs> is you, you kind of have to go with the budget, go with the plan and just stick with it. Yeah. Try not to deviate too much. I mean, it's impossible to not deviate. You're going to find new things and you're going to have to do things. Um, but, you know, it's try to stick with it as much as you can. <laughs> There's always a little bit of scope creep. Before we, yep. before we started the recording, I was telling Denny that I have scope creep even going on in this project that I'm doing in my own house where the whole bathroom was finished. And then at the last minute, I decided, I didn't even decide. I agreed with the contractor when he suggested that I should replace the tub. And now I'm basically going to end up practically redoing the bathroom again. Now, <laughs> Now I have, you know, I went, I went in there today I had, after being away for two days and I look in the, where the bathtub used to be and I can see right down into the basement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the only thing I didn't even mention too, is the bathtub in this, in this place. Um, it's, it's those old plastic bathtubs. And before, again, it looked fine because you had this really ugly brown wall. <laughs> but now that the wall is this nice blue color, like you mentioned, it doesn't, the, the, the tub doesn't look good anymore because it's now this yellowish tub that's yeah. really dated. Um, so I think I, I'm finally convinced myself, you know what, I can always do this the next time around. Um, right. Just kind of wait it out, get it rented if I can, um, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. So now your next step is to rent. How's that going? Um, hasn't really started yet. That's really the next step. We're literally kind of, I want to finish up these last few things. And I think that's kind of the next step is kind of get this place, um, for rent. So, um, so how long, how, so far has the, has the process taken? So it's been, let's see, right around, so it's closed, I think around February. So, or first week of February. So it's been three months. Is that what you had originally expected it to take? Um, no, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> I uh, originally thought it was going to be done in one month, right? It's like my head. It you you wouldn't even know the shopping that long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So in my head, that it was like, oh, yeah, we can do this in a month, in month, no problem. Um, but I think, I, kind of to be fair, the, the, the challenge is, right, so, you know, my wife and I still have a full-time job. So, you know, we're working Monday to Friday. Um, and it, it doesn't make sense to work on it have to work either because it's not it's like a 20 half an hour for 20 minutes half an hour drive from our house so just the you know going back and forth right there that's almost an hour so you know we decided that you know what you know we need a little sanity in our life here this this is just going to be a project for the weekends only so we <laughs> we only worked on it during the weekend yeah. um so that, which i think looking back was probably the right thing to do um you know rushing to get a rent i think right now is you know especially what's happening with the coronavirus, you know, yeah. I think that would have worked very well for us. Um, so it's, it's fine right now. I think we're just, you know, going through the process and trying to finish shipping up. I think we're definitely, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm still okay, but I think my wife is definitely getting sick of this process. She's like, she's like, I just want one weekend to myself. <laughs> <Not working. laughs> no, I tell you, you can't go out now anyway. So <laughs> That's that's what I try to tell her, but no, but she's been awesome in this whole process. Yeah, I mean, I definitely can't do it without her. She's, she's been very helpful. She, you know, she she got in there, she helped paint, she helped put the floors in, 
um, it was actually fun. Like once we got to um, you know the floor part, uh, um, she even admitted that putting the floor in was fun. And but that of course that's because I gave her all the easy stuff where it's you're just putting the floors in, and when you get to a corner or you have to fit it under a trim. That's when I, she'll leave it for me to do. And <laughs> one of those pieces could take like half an hour to an hour, which was crazy. That's the one thing that I didn't expect, like, you know, cutting um, the vinyl floor to make it fit under a trim. That, that was pretty tricky. <laughs> <laughs> so now a couple things from when you originally started looking. I mean, when, when you first started looking for a property, you were looking pretty far away from your house, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, those good old days. We, uh, <laughs> we're Christine and we, uh, we, we would drive out to, you know, Worcester, you know, oh man, it's, I can't even imagine if we had gone some Worcester. Uh, this would probably take us a year. <laughs> so Worcester from your house is like, what, about an hour? Yeah, it's close to an hour. <laughs> yeah. so, it's, it's, I mean, the deals were good. I think that's for sure, relative to here. But there was just, I think, a lot of uncertainty, you know, given, you know, that it's a whole different market than Boston. And just, I, I'm just not as comfortable with that market. I think after all those trips, you know, starting to realize, I'm like, okay, it, it's hard. And it was, a lot of those were a lot of work too, I think, because most of the ones that we looked at out there were all, you know, triple deckers or at least duplexes. And I think that would have been a little too much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it, um, from that, so let, let's stay on the buy and buy and renovate side before we, mm -hmm. you know, for just a minute, what kind of advice would you give to people who are, you know, for those two aspects of it, for people who have never done anything like this before, but are really considering they'd like to do a burr? Yeah. So um, I think, yeah, one of the big things is, you know, definitely find a place that and definitely talk to your agent and make sure, you know, or and talk to people who's got advice, like who's done this and really ask them, you know, the amount of work that's going to involve because everything seems easy when you look, when you just do the walkthrough, like, oh yeah, I can do this. Oh, this isn't too bad. And all of that adds up. And so definitely take your time to buy a good solid property that you know you're going to get a good deal for. Um, buy it below market value, right? That's the, I think that's the key with all this. Yeah. is you make sure you find a property that is you know it's below market value and and and, and needs work um so that's probably the best thing with the, on the buy side and yeah and don't and, right it's it's buy what's comfortable for you right don't bite off more than you chew so i think right i think finally after all those trips out to worcester realize okay maybe that we should just start small with a condo this time around it's yeah. it's much simpler um so you know that's that's what i would say about the buying process um and then the rehab, I think I mentioned earlier, I think it's, just, it's the same thing. You know, make sure you, you take the time to come up with a plan, have a budget, and, and just absolutely try to stick with it as much as you can. Yeah. And then even though it's a little bit out of order, I think you've already sort of been talking about um, with, with some banks about the refi piece of it. Yeah. So I think the reason I can talk about the refi is because I had to do the refi to even do this per this time around. So I did a cash out refi on the previous property. Um, so definitely, you know, you know, I, I think all in all, I've gone through the whole process. It's just, I did it in different <laughs> orders. <laughs> uh, so the refinance part, it was actually really is my first time doing a refinance, um, on the first property that I used to live in. Um, and, and I didn't even know there's a thing called cash out refi <laughs> up to up to last year. Uh, seriously, I, you know, I've bought a few properties up to this point. Um, 
you know, I've, I've sold, I moved and I bought a new place. And I, I didn't even know that there was a thing called cash out refi. And it was again, you know, because I was listening to these podcasts, listening to these YouTubers, it's it, these ideas started to pop in my head. I'm like, Oh, so that's how this works. And then I did a little more research on my own um, to really understand, you know, how, how cash out refi really works. Cause that's the intention behind the whole birth strategy is what you're doing is you, right, you're buying a, a good property and then you're putting the work in and right. But you, you actually build an equity by, by putting in that sweat equity and the refinance, the cash flow refinance enables you to kind of pull that cash out. Right. So it's not stuck in your, you know, in the property. So you're not, you know, investing in, it in another, another property. Um, so with, with me, obviously with the first property, like, you know, I, I luckily didn't, have to put in work in just got lucky bought in boston um i mean we definitely overpaid but At because of you no know, insane uh, it, it continued to grow um the value continued to go up so i essentially was able to pull out more, a lot of that uh the appreciation from the property uh by doing a cash flow refi but i think one of the advantages that uh one of the reasons i think that so i'm I don't want to put words in your mouth, but the fact that you paid cash for this new property, even though your renovation took three months, you know, you weren't, you know, shelling out out of pocket your mortgage every month, right? The yeah. Mentally, that is a huge factor. Um, it took me a while to get over because um, as Christine probably remember when we were uh, looking for a place to buy, right? I had already pulled this cash out from the refinance, you know, sitting in a high yield savings account, of course. Um, and, and Christine and I would joke, right. It was, she was saying kind of to me, like, wow, it must be burning a hole in your pocket because I would complain to her. I'm like, oh my gosh, we had to find something because every day I'm paying for the mortgage on this money that I've taken out. And I think I worked out the math. It was, I don't know how much it was per day. It was, <laughs> of course, that was some stress that I didn't really need to put on myself, but you know, Christine was kind of saying, she was kind of joking. It was good. She was kind of walking me through that. But, um, yeah, so it's this time around, um, since I've, you know, bought the place, I kind of try to take a step back and look at it from a different perspective. Um, I think it, it's all about your perspective and this has really helped me at least mentally be okay with this, um, not renting it out or doing anything with it because I'm looking at it. Okay. Well, I just made this, you know, big investment into this asset and it's appreciating, right? While it's sitting there, it's appreciating. And while I'm working on it, it's appreciating. Um, I'm not, getting the advantage of the leverage appreciation that you would normally would get with a um, investment in real estate. But I'm okay with that in the short term <laughs> because part of me is also saying, well, what else am I going to do with this money? What, do I, am I ready to dump this? Aren't you glad market? now that it wasn't sitting in the market, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so, you know, kind of looking at those different perspectives has really helped. So, I, you know, I feel okay because, you know, there is no rush um, to kind of jump into that. And, the other piece I think that it's important to note about the, uh, the refi piece is that before you ever go to a bank for this property, you're putting, you're making it as valuable as possible. Yep. So you're putting, you know, you're not going and buying it one month for, you know, 200,000 and then going to a bank and saying, Oh, I think now it's worth 300,000. So I want, you know, that, I mean, that just, I think makes yep. banks a little bit more uncomfortable. Whereas now you're going to say, you know, tell me what it's worth. How much can I get when you do your refi? Right. Or your yeah. And what, I'm, what I'm learning even kind of, cause I did start to kind of uh, do some research to learn about how this refi 
you know, the, the second time around, because the first time it didn't really matter. I've owned that property for a long time. Yeah. Um, this time around, I'm learning, right, you actually need to hold the property for six months before you can even do a cash out refi. Yeah. Um, so that that's a rule um, that I didn't even know about. Um, so that's very important, especially first time, you know, somebody buying it thinking, hey, I can quickly turn this around in a month or two and then go and pull the money out. You, you really can't, right? You, you do need to at least have it for six months. Um, and I don't, I, I'm kind of guessing here, but I'm guessing things are even getting more strict um, given what's happening uh, with, you know, forbearance and all that stuff. So I feel lenders now are, are being shy and I think they're tightening up um, requirements. So it, you might even need to, I don't know if it's six months now or if they increase that. Um, but one thing's for sure, I think from what I've seen is it's much harder to pull as much cash out too, right? I, I think there's different tiers. There's a 60% tier, there's 70 and 75. Mm -hmm. um, I guess that kind of depends on what kind of property it is. I think for a condo, that those are kind of the three thresholds. Um, and every one of those has a jump in the interest rate um, based on how much you're pulling out of the value of the property. So what is, do you feel like, I mean, obviously you don't know exactly what's going to happen with everything, but how much of your initial investment do you think you're going to be able to take out to go on to property number two and, and try to do this again? Um, Actually, yeah. I should first ask, do you want to do this again? <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a, a, a still a big question. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I think I am, but uh, <laughs> I don't know if my wife is at this point. <laughs> so we might need to take a little break. Um, and, and which is fine. Cause I, I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of ready to go back into the market, you know, slowly. So that's probably not a bad idea. Um, but I think I would, if a good opportunity comes around, I still would. Um, but it's hard to say because it all comes down to how much you're able to praise a place for. Um, so I'm hoping I can still get, you know, 70% of the, of the um, value back out. Um, generally, you know, you know, the goal is, is to get like 90 plus, right? I think for the, uh, you know, I think a home run for a first strategy, you're, you're either 90 plus or even a hundred percent of your initial investment. You want to pull that out, right? That's a huge home run, right? If, if the only equity in a house is actually um, basically your sweat equity. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think from what I've heard too, there's even limitations. They don't let you um, do a cash flow refi on more than what you bought the property for. Um, so that was I don't think I'm that's true because I did that. The place I have in New Hampshire, I I took out uh, quite a bit more than what I paid for it. So that might have been. I think that might have been the case. But now with all this tightening up, that's oh, what yeah. I'm hearing now with the latest. Okay. Um, because lenders now are really shy, and that's what I'm seeing online. Because I've been kind of asking around a little bit, and that's what they're saying is, um, they they they're not really that excited about giving you more than what you paid for at this time. Mm -hmm. I'm sure, yeah, it was probably fine a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But with mm -hmm. forbearance, I think it's making a lot of lenders very nervous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, what are your plans as far as the rent piece of it? Um, I'm still kind of working through that right now. Um, I think we're toying around the idea even... Um, so now this is a whole different round. We, we're thinking maybe we could have been moved there for at least a year or something to get a better interest rate. So we're still thinking about all these different options. Um, just, I think we're able to, given that right now we don't have the kids and it's, you know, it's closer to a house. Um, so it makes a lot of sense maybe just to move there for at least a year um, and get a better interest rate. So those are all options, I think, at this point to be considered. Um, 
but yeah, I still, we're still trying to kind of figure that piece out. <laughs> Interesting. I didn't know you were thinking about that. And then, so you'd rent out the condo that you're living in now. Yeah. Um, it's, that's just a recent thing we started considering just cause you know, we're seeing a big, um, difference in the interest rates and stuff. So. And you did such a beautiful job fixing it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. What other things have you learned? What other surprises? What are, what are the kind of things that are you, that when you look back, you think, wow, I just had no idea that this was going to happen or that this is what it was like or. Uh, yeah. So let's see. I, I think the floor was definitely an interesting one. Um, so, you know, this place is very unique, Christine. I think if you remember, they, they had like this linoleum layer down, but what happens when we started to work through it, we saw that there was a section of it that actually had um, tiles underneath it. So they put tiles and then they put linoleum on top of it um, because I guess they were two ways to chip it out at the time yeah, to remove exactly. it. So now that kind of posed a problem for us. We got uneven floors. Then uh, this again is in the living room. So it wasn't like you can put a transition piece <laughs> yeah. in the living room. In the middle of the room. <laughs> yeah. And if we didn't do anything, when we put down vinyl floors, you're going to get, you know, different um, levels. Uh, yeah. So it, it, that was kind of a, a big challenge and a problem that came up during this process. And we're sitting there kind of like, oh, what do we do? Because I was on the fence. I didn't want to go through to remove the tiles. Yeah. And oh, I'll tell you, moving tiles was no fun because we ultimately decided that we didn't have a choice. If we wanted to have, you know, the floor to be done right, it really needed to remove. Yeah. And so it actually stretched from kitchen out into part of the living room. So to do that, we literally took a chisel and a hammer <laughs> and spent a whole day just chipping away this this tile that's been glued. It was like, it was like vinyl tile, right? Like exactly. peel stick sort of vinyl tile. Yeah. Um, it wasn't even peel stick. I think it, they even use a like this extra chemical plaster to glue it down. So okay. I, I actually find some of those peel stick for a different part, uh, different part of the house. But so those they don't stick on as hard as these did. These actually had like an extra yellow like glue that they use to put the tile down. Um, so we tried it. We, we initially tried the heat gun, thinking that that was going to be better, but it just made things worse. It actually it made the smell. Reactivated it, the glue. Yeah, it activated the smell. It just and it didn't didn't speed up the process any because it's still required to manually like scrape it off the floor. So we finally abandoned all that um, and spent literally a whole Saturday just sitting there on our well, on our knees and our butt just chipping <laughs> with a hammer um, to, to remove the tiles. Uh, so that was definitely not in the plans. <laughs> um, so, you know, glad we did it because now the floor worked out a lot better. Um, we put it down, it, it's level. Um, and you know, the worst thing that happens you, after you finish the floors and you walk around, and you notice there's like a spot where you can step on it and the floor just sinks in. <laughs> oh boy. So do you think you'll need your dad to come up next time to help you with the next property? Um, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, yeah, I, I think to be honest, it, actually I learned a lot for sure. Like this time, even my dad there, um, I kind of made it clear like, Hey, you know, thanks for coming. I, I still want to do most of it myself. Um, I really wanted to kind of let this be a learning experience for me. Um, but you know, he definitely helped a lot, but I think, he, he definitely knew that what I was trying to do. So there were some things that he purposely kind of like, okay, you should come try to do this. This would be good for you. So for example, I had to do the plumbing. 
work because oh. we decided we didn't want to hire plumbers. Um, and my dad actually had experience kind of fixing uh, drain pipes and, and hooking up uh, supply lines. So he was able to kind of show me how to do some of this. Um, so he kind of showed me how, how he did it in the kitchen um, after we put in the granite countertops and put in the new sink. Um, he showed me how to do it. And then I was able to repeat and do that in the bathroom. Um, and just doing that actually gave me just a lot of confidence now that, you know, if something breaks at home, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, that's no problem. I know how to do it now. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah, that's key. Excellent. What other, um, what other lessons or what other wisdom would you want to share with a new a person just doing a burr for the first time? Um, let's see. I think with the burr process, um, just definitely go in, you know, with an open mind uh, and a willingness to learn. Cause you know, it, it's, there's going to be so many unexpected things that pops up. Um, I mean, I, I've only listed some of the big ones. There's so much other smaller unexpected things that popped up that it, I think it, your mindset has to be in the right place. So you, you have to kind of be patient, like, Hey, you know, this is the first time I'm not going to do everything right. Um, you know, just be patient and, 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 you know, learn as you go and just, you know, and, accept that you know there's going to be times you're like oh how did i not do this oh now i gotta make another trip to home people because i forgot <laughs> this little thing <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. but every time i did that i felt stupid but i was like you know what hey this is good i'm learning now next time around this won't happen because i know this <laughs> right exactly exactly now for the buying process what did you um, did you call on some experts that like, what did you need to know that you didn't know in order to buy the right property? Um, I don't know. I, let's see. Cause uh, <laughs> honestly, I don't know if I, if you, it's hard to say, you know, if you bought the right property, honestly, cause I think for me, um, this, in this particular property, it gave me confidence that, um, somebody was trying to do a 1031 exchange on it. Mm-hmm. and due to whatever reason it fell apart um and i think it wasn't because of the property i think it was because of timing of everything there's other factors at play so yeah. that helped me give me a little more reassurance that oh this maybe is a good property um but yeah because even doing a walkthrough that's not enough like if you get an appraiser it's still not enough because they're just going to tell you you know some of the stuff that might be wrong but you know once you start to take things apart and you're gonna you're gonna see different things yeah it's um, always gonna be so that I think that's always a risk because you, you don't know for sure. But you know the one thing you can definitely do is, is make sure you, you know um, you're buying a property at a good value, right? So make sure you kind of know comps compared to you know the properties. If it's in a condo, look at properties the same kind of layouts. Um, I think that that's really important to, to know. Okay, here's what how much these sold for, and then you know with pictures you can see how much um, they sold for it, they got renovated because there were condos um, or there were units in this condominium that uh, were just sold recently that were renovated. Um, and seeing how much those sold for it gave me a lot of confidence. Oh, wow, there's definitely value here that I can extract by putting in some work. Yeah, yeah. And the, that, that's another advantage actually that a condo has over a single family home because you, you're looking at, even for the rental comps, at the exact same, you know, potentially the exact same property really. You know, you're saying this is what this property that looks exactly like mine rented for. This is what a property that looks exactly like mine sold for. So you can't, it's very hard to do that with a single family home, at least, you know, because most of them are just so different from each other. Yep. You can have a much higher degree of confidence. And you had said before 
um, that even, you know, I've heard people say that you don't want to buy a property to renovate that's more than a half hour from your home. And you're saying even like 25 minutes was too far. Oh, felt like yeah. too far. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely one thing to keep in mind. It, it doesn't seem far. The first couple of trips, you go out to see the place and you, you, you know, hey, yeah, this is not bad. But trust me, if you're going there every weekend, 20 minutes becomes too far. <laughs> <laughs> so buy your next one. But also, I mean, the market is actually quite different in that neighborhood as well. I mean, Correct. it's, it's a yep. quick drive, but did you feel like um, you had a, a learning curve as well for understanding the sort of the neighborhood and the whole you know, what's where and all that piece of it? Yeah. Um, so once we um, started doing the renovation, I think, and unfortunately, we weren't able to do this lately, but when we first, you know, got there before all this pandemic, had, we were able to go around, walk the neighborhood, you know, see, you know, what kind of shops are nearby, check out the transportation options. Because I think, you know, they, they put that in the ML listing, but really, it's different when you actually go and walk it and understand, oh, this is how far it takes to get to the bus station. Here's, here's where, you know, the, the restaurants are at. Um, and I think one really important thing I think that I would um, recommend is, is make friends with your neighbor. Um, so especially if, like for me, I, I, as soon as I moved in, I ran across my neighbor and I said, hey, you know, hi, my name is Denny and just introduce yourself and basically get to know him and, and try to exchange contact information because you never know. There might be instances where, um, you, you need uh, them to help you out if you're not at the property um, and, you're and you're still in the renovation phase. And I actually had an experience with this. Um, I, I wish I did this now in hindsight because we ended up getting some stuff shipped from Home Depot that was getting there. And because the Home Depot delivery guy, I, I don't know what happened, they, they missed the or they came too late, we already left on a Saturday or Sunday. And I think that was the plan. I was timing it so that it gets there on Saturday and we're going to be there. Well, they decided to not deliver until like 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> we had already went home. So now, we're like, oh, what do we do? So we ended up, you know, having to wait until the next morning. Well, what happened was actually they didn't deliver it. So this time, or th there was two instances. One time they left it outside. So the next morning, thank God, no nobody took our stuff. The second time, they just didn't leave it. They left the sticker saying, we'll have to try again on a Monday or Tuesday. And we're like, well, great. We're not going to be there. <laughs> so, and what was worse, it was, it was going to be raining that day. So I had to leave my house just to drive over there to take this, bring the stuff inside the house and come right back home. <laughs> um so had i you know met my neighbor earlier i you know it would have been nice i could have you know, maybe texted her and be like hey can you do me a huge favor can you just take the stuff inside so yeah. it's not getting um so stuff you know small stuff like that yeah yeah interesting yeah those are the kind of things you don't necessarily think about you know like making friends with the neighbors and stuff but i think it's really important to I mean, even a few streets over could be totally different. Mm -hmm. So to walk the neighborhood, I, I'm really a big fan of going places at night and just sitting there in your car at night and seeing like, do I feel scared? You know, am I afraid to get out of my car right now? How do I feel? Are there like creepy people kind of walking around or whatever? You know, you just have to feel, I feel like, I mean, maybe that's, maybe it has to do with being a woman, but I, I feel like I need to feel good about this neighborhood. I don't want to own a a home, a property in a place where I don't want to go after dark, you know? Yeah, that's, that's actually a really good point. Yeah. Going at night is definitely, you know, you get a different perspective for sure. Um, and I think you actually had given me this great advice was actually call the police station just mm -hmm. to see, just see, Hey, how is this neighborhood? How is this a particular unit? Have you, you know, have you had any issues with, you know, calls from this condominium? Have there been issues that you ran across? And those people are very happy to share with you. And yeah. so it's a little un unconventional, but 
it's it's a really helpful way to kind of get a better insight in a neighborhood that you're buying into. Yeah, that's a that's a good point because there are things that you, the real estate agents can't say. There are things that a uh, a neighbor may not be comfortable saying, and the, but the police, like I I like to call the police department and say, you know, would you let your daughter, you know, buy a home? and live alone in this neighborhood. And, you know, if they're like, laugh, <laughs> say no way, then, yeah. you know, okay, well, I may yep. not want to buy in this, in this neighborhood. Yep. Right. And that's, and it's all about your tolerance, but I think especially for new investors, you, you don't want to be like creeped out by your own house, you know? Yeah. That's a really good point. Any other things I should have asked you that I didn't think to ask you anything else that is uh, important? Um, I think maybe good to talk about screening um, tenants. Maybe if you had, I'd love to hear some advice from you as well. Because <laughs> obviously, I've done one. Uh, I've you know learned obviously the importance of credit scores and and, and whatnot. But being that Massachusetts is very unique and very uh, you know pro renter, <laughs> um, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of things to watch out for. I guess when you're screening tenants. Yeah, Massachusetts is one of the most tenant friendly states, and it's extremely hard. Once you've rented an apartment to somebody, it is very difficult to get them out. And even if you, you know, can prove that they're not paying and you take them to court, there's, the court is most likely going to say, oh, why don't you, you know, give them a break and give them a year to find another place or whatever. And, you know, all this time you're like losing your property because, you know, it's just uh, not really fair to the landlord. But and, and for that reason as well, I mean, there's a lot of fair housing aspects that you want to take into consideration. So my biggest piece of advice, first of all, would be to make sure that you treat every applicant the same. You know, sometimes you might have a tendency to say, oh, you know, my friend at work told me about this person, so I'm not going to bother to run their credit because I'm sure they're great or, you know, that this person... Um, seems really, you know, friendly and nice. So I'm not going to bother to go through the same procedure, but you know, to, to like, I would have a questionnaire for checking references so that you're always mm -hmm. asking their references, the same questions mm -hmm. and, and ha also have a questionnaire, you know, like the same application for everybody and the same criteria. So if you're going to make a rule that the credit has to be above this amount, everybody you ever rent to should have credit above that amount. And yep. I would recommend documenting, like this is the criteria, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not gonna, you know, you, you, they have to have a certain credit score. They have to have, you know, references that are this amount. They have to make more than three times the rent, you know, things like that. So, uh, and then the, everybody just has to fall into that same, um, ha has to comply with all those same rules. But there is, there always is a certain amount of um, gut instinct. You know, you think, oh, I can trust my gut on this. And this person seems really clean and they seem really nice. And, mm -hmm. you know, they're very friendly and they smile a lot. Well, that might not be the best, <laughs> you know, like try to just do everything on paper. Try to like look how they look on paper. I'm going through this now with John is trying to rent his, his house in New Hampshire. And he, he has this person and he really liked the person because of the job that they had and felt like that that job was a dependable job and blah, blah, blah. But then, you know, we pull the credit and I'm saying, you know, there are four credit cards. They're all within 95% of their upper limit. Oh no. Plus a car payment, 
plus student loan debt. I said, I don't really know. And, and then the price of this apartment was $400 more than what she was already paying for rent. And I said, you know, this is making alarm bells go off all over the place because, you know, if you, if she can't even pay off any of these student loan debts or credit cards or anything else, how is she going to be able to pay $400 more a month in rent? You know, and just even though, you know, there might be a lot of things about the person or the situation that you like, you know, you really just kind of have to be very kind of hardcore and, and, you know, make, sure, I, I like, like all the bills are, are less than half of what the person brings home in a month so that yeah. there's some, some wiggle room, you know? But, yeah. I think, isn't that the rule of thumb is you generally want even lenders or even just kind of a personal finance thing. Like you don't want your housing expense to be more than a third of your income is what I heard. I think exactly. that's kind of the, that's the most ideal, obviously, but yeah. Yeah. You know, no yeah, more that, that would be a hard, that would be definitely a hard um, thing I mean, a hard and fat, what are they going to say? A requirement Yeah. for me. And, and when we, when I did rentals that, you know, yeah. you have to make at least three times the rent. Yeah. Yeah. That your, your income, your take home pay has to be at least three times the rent. So that's another whole piece. But, and, but then if you do, um, like if you have people who have vouchers or housing assistance and something like that, where you're going to rent to someone who's on section eight or some other type of a housing program, you know, a lot of people say it's not fair to, to, to uh, look at people's credit when they're in that situation. But a lot of the landlords who I know who deal a lot with section eight um, say that they look at credit and they, and they really, you know, check the references very carefully. So that, that would be a, a big piece for me. I mean, if, maybe if they don't have the credit or if you're in a situation where they're only paying 20% of the rent or whatever, and the rest is coming from some kind of a voucher, you, you really, you still want them to keep the apartment really clean. You still want to make sure that you're not chasing them for that 20%, whatever. So checking references and giving them, um, you know, asking questions in a way that allows them to give you information without um, violating, you know, like there's certain things you can't say as a landlord, you can't say bad things no. about people, but you can answer certain questions that, you know, you, you know, they can answer certain factual questions, even like, you know, would you rent to them again? And, and that, that might not be the, the landlord where they're living now, you might not get that answer from, but the one before, yeah. you know, if they, if that, if this yeah. person wanted to come back and live with you again, would you hesitate? You know, I mean, that's actually one thing you can Google is to look in the, look at the uh, questions that um, good questions to ask when screening tenants. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> good, good, good questions to ask the references, but all right. Any parting thoughts? Uh, no, I think we kind of went through it. Um, you know, obviously I'm still learning, so, you know, it's still going through it. Um, I'm sure uh, my perspective is going to be a little bit different in a few months. <laughs> yeah, we have you on again in a few months. <laughs> hear how the next, like, okay, we're completely done with the burr, and now we're thinking about repeating. We're at, we're at, the, we're at the repeat phase. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Denny, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you, listeners, for listening. Be sure to join us next week. We're going to have Lynn Bagby is going to join us, and she's an expert in doing 1031 exchanges, which you might want to do someday, Denny, where it's a, a way to 
legally yep. not pay any taxes, any capital gains when you sell one piece of property and buy a similar one. So be sure to be here next week. In the meantime, have a good one.